Lord, thank you so much for this evening and your word. We ask that you touch and bless it, God. We ask, Lord, that as we open your word, God, that you would show us, Lord, things in our heart, things in our life, things deep inside of us, Lord, that need to be addressed and that, God, you would speak to us through your spirit. Lord, we are open to you, even right now, God. We know that you love us so much, and all you do is care for us, Lord, and, and, and you want to be closer to us. You want us to grow. You want us to be able to just be like you, Jesus, and it's all, Lord, you doing that work. So I pray that you bless our time, anoint it with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, working out at the gym is not always an enjoyable experience. I feel like I'm sweating like I'm at the gym right now. Sometimes you have to put some motivation, right, into your mind and heart. Like, we all know that, no pain, what? No gain. And I saw a saying that said, no pain, no gain, shut up and train. <laughs> well, I came across some other quotes to put in you to help you with your workout. Or should I say, to help you become on the outside what you're hoping, what you're hoping for on the inside. So here's, here's another little saying to put into your heart to help you work out. Uh, train insane or remain the same. I like that one. Or how about this? Hustle for that muscle. This one is uh, suck it up and one day you won't have to suck it in. <laughs> another one, the body achieves what the mind believes. Or another one is like this. Exercise is like telling your body, you're going to hate me for this, but you'll thank me later. <laughs> another one, someone put this in, in her mind. I will beat her. I will train harder. I will eat cleaner. I know her strengths. I've lost her before, but not this time. She is going down. I have the advantage because I know her well. She is the old me. <laughs> One more. Another person put this up. Less sugar, more fruit. Less soda, more water. Less driving, more walking. Less worry, more sleep. Less words, more action. I like that one. Well, putting in these words may help you become on the outside what you're hoping for on the inside. Well, that's, that's the thought as we return to our study in the book of Philippians. Paul shows us that we are actually to work out, that is, in our living, what God has worked in. In other words, we are to become on the outside what God has put, has done, and is doing on the inside. So our title tonight is this, work out what God works in. Work out what God works in. We're going to be picking up from verse 12 and go to verse 13 real far tonight. Uh, two verses, Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. And our outline is this, and this is what we're going to find here about uh, working, working out what God had worked in. Number one is be careful to obey. Number two is be consistent in practice. And number three, be considerate of the source. So that's our three headings here tonight. So let's begin here. Be careful to obey. Number one, be careful to obey. We're going to work out what God works in. And first, that begins with be careful to obey. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And we're only going to take the first part of this verse. Paul writes here, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, 
but much more in my absence. And we'll stop right there. Well, we begin with this word, therefore. Whenever we see the word therefore, we ask, why is it therefore, right? And it's a conjunction. It connects us to our last section. If you remember last week, our title was The Amazing Humility of Jesus. Do you remember that? Remember how we saw how Jesus, he became a servant by willingly putting aside his robes of divinity and putting on that robes of humanity. And that's what we saw in verses 6 and 7. Jesus, we also saw that he became a sacrifice lamb, the sacrifice lamb, by going as far as dying on the cross for our sins. We saw that in verse 8. And then we saw he became exalted as the sovereign Lord when the Heavenly Father officially honored Jesus for what he did by giving him the name that is above every other name, every name, right? Verses 9 through 11, that last section. Now, if you missed it, you can catch it online. Well, Paul was giving this example of Jesus. Why? This was also believers would follow Jesus and live in humility like him. So after all that, Paul goes on here and he says, therefore, in this sense, since Christ now obeyed the Father, carried out his plan, even to the point of the death of the cross, right, we saw in verse 8, then we believers should be serious about being obedient to God too. That's the idea. This is what Paul is saying with therefore. Therefore, hey, we should be obedient just as Christ was to the Father. Now, before Paul presses that home, he says this, therefore, my beloved. Now, those two words is such an endearing word. It's, it's a term of endearment. It speaks of this love and this close relationship that Paul had with the Philippian church. So these Philippians are special to Paul as he says these words. And I want you to just, just put this in your mind as we go through the, the rest of this passage in these verses Put in your mind that these, these words that he says, when he says, my beloved, all these words, it's with a tone of love. It's a, with a tone of care. It's a tone of concern and encouragement to the Philippians. So catch this tone in all that he says. Okay, so Paul's saying, therefore, since Jesus obeyed, and as you guys have always obeyed now, like when I was with you in, a, uh, in my presence, now he's saying, continue to be serious about obeying much more, he says, or even more now that I'm not in your prison, that I'm absent from you, that I'm not with you. Remember, where's Paul right now? He's writing this in prison, right? In Rome, 800 miles away or so. And so Paul's not there, but God is still there, of course, we know that. So Paul's saying, even now, when I'm not there, when I'm not there to encourage you, kind of keep watch, you know, even now, right now is even... Uh, uh, much more of a time more important for you guys to be obedient. So the idea is this, more than ever, Paul's saying, take this initiative to be careful to obey. That's our heading. More than ever now, take that initiative, be careful to obey. And this is important because remember, there is a division going on in the church at Philippi, as we've been studying since chapter one, right? Two ladies, we'll see in chapter 3, they're in disagreement, right? It seems some in the church are being caught up in pride and selfishness. So uh, Paul talked about putting others first earlier, right? So in context, in this chapter, Paul had put out this call to unity, right? In that first message we saw in chapter 2. Paul exhorted the believers to think of others first, right? By humbling yourself, putting yourself to the side. And then, well, most likely... 
emotions, maybe they're running high, and Paul's bringing them to keep the self-control, to follow like what Jesus did, to be humble and humility and like Jesus. So Paul is bringing them to keep that self-control and carefully obey God. And why is that important? Because we got to keep the flesh in check. Our emotions, our, our things that go on, or, or maybe even our pride or, or our own self-focus can get our emotions, get things going, get things rolling. Someone says something, someone not, or whatever. All that would get us going. So Paul's like, hey, especially at this time, in the context of this call to unity, thinking of others first, living like Jesus did in humility, you know, be careful, be careful to obey God, to keep the flesh in check. So more than ever, this is a time to be like Jesus and how he obeyed fully. So that's the idea here. Even though Paul's not there, he's saying, do not let the slightest thing get past you in disobedience. Fully obey here. The Puritan from long time ago, Thomas Brooks wrote, no man obeys God truly who does not endeavor to obey God fully. I like that. So here's what Paul's saying right in this first section, right in this first half of this verse we're saying, we're seeing. The vision can be eradicated when you fully obey God by humbling yourself and setting self aside. That's what he's putting forth here. The vision can be eradicated when you fully obey God by humbling yourself and setting self aside. That's what's important. Setting that self inside of you aside. You know, I was thinking about, you guys know who um, Steve Jobs is, right? The founder of Apple Computers and whose ideas like the iPhone we use today. I mean, it changed the whole world, basically. It changed our, our lives, you know. Well, he once talked about how when he helped his father, Paul Jobs, build a fence around their family home while they're working, the father told Steve Jobs this. You've got to make the back of the fence that nobody will see just as good looking as the front of the fence. Even though nobody will see it, you will know. And that will show that you're dedicated to making something perfect. Well, later, when designing Apple computers, that stuck with Steve Jobs. He instructed his engineers to arrange even the circuit board with the chips and everything on that, uh, quote-unquote, elegantly as possible. And that is, he told them, even if no one except the repair person will ever see the insides of the computer. You see, for Jobs, it wasn't about impressing other people. It was about holding yourself accountable for the quality of your work. He said this, for you to sleep well at night, the aesthetic, the quality has to be carried all the way through. Now, I like that because in my mind, it speaks about how for full obedience, it, it means what's going on inside of you. It means what's going on inside of your mind. It means, you know, those areas inside of you where nobody will see, nobody will know. But in full obedience before the Lord, it's important that even in your mind and even in your heart, you are obeying God. See, humbling yourself, setting yourself aside is really done where? In our heart, in our mind, right? And no one really sees that. When you do that inside, that's where that action comes out. But when it stops being about you, right? When it stops being about you, then it's, it, it, it begins to change here in flow of our context. Then 
then it's like you have fully obeyed. And so Paul's like, I believe, getting really deep here. It's the, it's the inside we got to work on. He's been talking about others first, setting your pride down, setting yourself to the side. That's what's important. That's what we got to be obedient to. It's the inside that we need to work on. It, as we all work toward being in unity as a church, it's the inside that we need to work on, the part that nobody can see. For you, that will truly affect what comes out on the inside. So you see, Paul's like, hey, division, what I'm trying to address here, it will truly be eradicated when you fully obey God by humbling yourself and setting that self aside. Think about it this way. If someone were to look into your heart, what would they see, right? We we may try and put on a show or control our actions on the outside, but it's the inside that sometimes we don't work on. We may, be, we may get through some things on the outside. People may not see. Yeah? We can put on that face at church and stuff, but at home, oh, watch out. Right? But it's the inside that matters. See, it's the obedience of the heart that matters. So I believe when he's talking about obedience, when he's talking about, hey, even if I'm there or not there, if I don't see you or not, even if, hey, no one sees you on the inside, it's the heart that matters. The issue of the heart, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. Right? You know, many times we have victory when we hold back angry words and our mouth stays closed. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Maybe we find victory with not getting physical or taking some action that maybe we would we would actually regret later. But God is calling us to go farther and deeper in our obedience. And this is what I'm saying. To that is to not even allow that anger or whatever fleshly thing to even live inside of us. That's full obedience. We can be, yeah, well, yeah, we got victory. We, we held back. We didn't do it. We, I, you know, I fought against that. But you know what's better? That it was never in your heart already. That's where you want to head toward. That's where you want to be careful to obey. All right, let's go on here to be consistent in practice. Number two, be consistent in practice. You've seen be careful to obey. Now, number two, be consistent in practice. All right, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. The second part of the verse here now, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, Paul goes on here and he says, in true obedience before God now, Work out your salvation. Work out uh, your own salvation. Now, now, what's that? What, what's going on here? What is Paul saying? Well, first understand this. In the Greek, the two words work out, it means to keep on working to bring something to completion. That's what that means. It, it's, it's a keep, continue to work to bring something to fulfillment or completion. Now, you might be asking, well, then does that mean that we are to work on being saved? That we got to work to be saved? Well, let me tell you right now, no, that is not what this verse is saying. Look at it this way. It does not say work for your salvation, right? It doesn't say work at your salvation. It doesn't say work towards your salvation. It has nothing to do with how we are saved, (laughs) And we have to understand because that's what Scripture teaches us, right? If you think that, it's different from, if you think this is about working, you know, get working to get your salvation, that's not what Scripture 
teaches us. So Paul's not going to contradict himself nor a scripture. Scripture teaches us differently, doesn't it? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by what? Grace, you, are, you have been saved through what? Faith, right? Grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's not anything you've done. It is the gift of God. And verse 9 says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we're not saved by our works. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. That's how we get salvation. Galatians 2.21, Paul wrote here, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. What he's saying is, is if, if I can gain being right with God, being righteous and go to heaven, uh, being able to go to heaven through following the law, through my works, then you know what, then what did Christ die for? He died for nothing then, right? No, that's not how we are saved. And finally, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we know that salvation is a free gift, right? Free gift. It's a gift, right? Do you have to pay for a gift? No. A gift is a gift. Someone just gives it to you, right, for free. Well, this is what is emphasized here. Is salvation is a free gift of God. And how do we obtain salvation? By grace through faith in Jesus Christ. By believing, right, in the Son of God. So, Philippians 2.12 does not contradict other scriptures. So I just want to make that clear in your minds. It's not talking about working for your salvation. All right, so what does this mean then? Well, notice again, it says what? Work out. Work out. It means to work out into your life what God has done. And what's that? Your salvation. Work out your own salvation. God has saved you and made you what? A child of God. He is, when, when you gave your life to Christ, what happened? What happened to you, right? The Holy Spirit came in and he regenerated you, right? It's like what uh, Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. That's that term, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we are new creations, right? We have been regenerated. We are, you are a new creation now in Jesus Christ. You're not your old self no more. You're a child of God. The, the old person, oh now, yeah? You're a new person now, right? That's this idea. So now you are to work out what God has worked in you. Does, do you understand that? That's our title. Work out what God works in. He has done a work in you. He is, he, he, he's made you a new person on the inside. Maybe, maybe you kind of look the same on the outside, but on the inside, brand new there. Brand new. You know, this, this same Greek word for work out was used for working a mine. Like, you know, going down into the mine and bringing out the precious jewels. This is getting out of the mine all that precious ore. Paul's saying that we're to bring out into our daily lives who we are now in Christ. That's the idea here. In other words, we're to live out the transformed life. And this is, this is all about like growing spiritually, about living in a manner as Christians now. If we call ourselves Christians, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then our life should reflect that. Our actions and, and how we live and, and what we say, right? The things that we do, 
right? They should reflect who we are on the inside now, a child of God, a Christian, a regenerated believer of Christ. So that all speaks of working out, growing spiritually into who we are now as Christians. And so with that in mind, in context of this passage, think about what Paul is saying. What is that? What are we working out as a child of God? You know what? That's be, that means we're becoming less and less about me, right? L- less and less about ourself and focus of our, ourself, our own self-gain, what's good for me, our own self-focus. It's less and less about that. And what is it? More and more like Jesus, where we become more and more like Jesus. And that's the goal anyway, right? It's about living this life no longer for self, but others first, right? No longer in our own pride or protecting our own interests, but sacrificing it all like Jesus did, right? For God and His will. It's about being obedient to the Lord so we can be consistent in our outward living to who we are on the inside. So this is Paul's call to be consistent in practice, our heading here. To be consistent to who you are now in Christ, in practice. Work out your own submission. Work out who you are now. Begin to live in that manner. I like how uh, Warren Wiersbe said, although believers are saved once for all when they accept Jesus Christ as Lord, it is the grind of everyday life that salvation is quote-unquote worked out. I like that. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where your true Christianity should come out, is that everyday life, the way we live before the Lord. So make no mistake here, working out your salvation is not saving yourself, but living out your salvation because this is who you are now. Does that make sense? I hope so. Okay, how is this done? What's our attitude? How do you live out this salvation? Well, what Paul's been talking about, right, in this verse is what? Obedience. Now connect that with that. We live out, work out our salvation in this new life through obedience. Now connect that with what I'm talking about. See, God's Word, God's word tells us what this new person is like. God's Word defines who this new person is. God's Word shows us what is of the flesh and what is of the Spirit. God's Word shows us who we are as a child of God and how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to think, what are we supposed to let go, you know, not uh, what is the flesh and what is the new person, right? That's God's Word. So God's Word is put out there and we are to be obedient to that and that's how we live out this new person. And we are to live out who we are in a serious way. We are to work out this salvation in our daily living with, and look at the end of verse 12, with fear and trembling. That is with a healthy respect for God and His Word and a godly respect for Him who is our holy and righteous God. We're living before the Lord. We've got to remember that. He's the holy, righteous God. He's, he's the creator of the universe. So we need to live in a manner where we're serious about working out the salvation. We're serious about obeying God and becoming all who He wants us to be by following the Word. Be serious about obeying God and living out your Christian life. Be serious about being consistent in 
practice. You know, I was thinking about this as I was studying. Back in the book of Hosea, the Lord told the prophet Hosea to call his third child. Now, uh, he had different children, and they were named like according to God, what God was doing and his judgment and how he was dealing with the children of Israel. I know it's a strange way to name your kids, but uh, this is how God was getting a message to the people. Well, the third child, his third child, a son, in Hosea 1.9, the Lord said, Call his name Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Why, why would the Lord do that? Why would God say, hey, name your child Lo-Ami? Because you guys aren't my people. You know why? Because Israel had stopped living like they were God's people. And you know how they stopped living like they were God's people? They went and worshipped idols of the land. They didn't live like they were supposed to be, like God's chosen people, right? No, they didn't. They turned from that. They, they didn't act or live like God's people anymore. So God said, okay, you're not my people anymore. You would not recognize these Israelites if you saw them at that time. That What? These, this is God's people? This is God's nation? Oh, it doesn't look like that. Why? Because they were not consistent in practice of how a Jew should live. So, do you understand that? In our obedience, as we live according to the Word of God, as we understand that that's who we are now, and as we live in that obedience, that's the way we live out, work out your own salvation. And you know what? I love this, because first we saw, you know, be careful, right? In, uh, in obedience, and, and now it's like be consistent in practice. They, they, they link together, you guys, because obedience is the way to fight our old self. Obedience is the way to fight the flesh. When we obey God's word and who we are now, that's the best way to live the new life and not live in the flesh. When you know the word of God, when you know what God wants like you do, and you know the flesh is against that. You know our old ways, the sin, our attitudes, our tendencies, right? But when you start saying, oh, okay, what? I'm a Christian now. What do I do now? Oh, the Word of God says to do this and this. Okay. And you start obeying that. Then you start living that new life. So when you are obedient to that, that is the best way to fight against the flesh and live out who you are in your salvation. So that brings us to this point. Live, live out in obedience who you are now in Jesus Christ. Live out in obedience who you are now in Jesus Christ. A little boy uh, had returned home from church where he actually uh, raised his hand and accepted Christ. He prayed a prayer and he, he came to the Lord and he was saved. Well, with joy, he was telling his sister and he told her, hey, I have a new heart now. And you know what she said? Oh yeah, let me see it. How do you do that? Right? You work out. You live out this new life. That's what Paul is saying. Let's see the new heart in how you live your daily life. I love this. I don't know if you can catch the flow that's going here, but because we have come to Christ, now understand we have entered a battle, right? Between our old self and our new self. The old self operates on whatever the flesh runs, right? The new self is freed from the bondage of sin and flesh and now can operate on what God wants. Romans 6. Do you understand that? 
We're free now to live out this new life. We're no longer in bondage to our sinful flesh and sin no more. Christ has freed us. So now we can make that choice. So do, do you understand what that means? That means we can obey God and we can become who we are and what God has done inside of us. So don't let your flesh, don't let your emotions like fool you. You can now live out what, what salvation has done in your life. Here, here's the thing you need to do. You need to do this now. Recognize what is of the flesh and what is of the new person. Recognize that. Be able to distinguish that. How you do that? Well, through the Word of God. Let the Word guide you into being that person God wants you to be. I don't know. Do, do you remember? Um, I don't know if you guys ever had a time when I was a teenager. I remember I was like trying to find myself. Yeah. You know, who, who am I? I remember um, even talking to my daughter about that when she was in high school and she came to a place where, Dad, you know, I, I, I finally know who I am. You know, and we, many of us, we go on that journey trying to find out. But you know, when we become a Christian, we know who we are. <laughs> We're a child of God. We belong to the Lord. So the Word tells us, right, that we're a child. We've been saved. We're a new creation. And then the Word tells us what that child is like, what that person is like. And so that's what we obey, not the old fleshly person. We live the life of a new creation. Listen, who you are now is not defined from your past mistakes. You've been forgiven. You've been freed. You've been cleansed. You've been made new. But who you are now is who God says you are. He has remained you. He's the one who's done that work. We were singing this uh, earlier, right? Who you say I am. And I was just going through my mind today. And I love the second verse where it says, Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep while I was a slave to sin. Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. And what's the course? Who the Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. I am what? A child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. That's home. I belong somewhere, right? There's a place for me. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Are you in Jesus tonight? Are you in Jesus tonight? Have you been saved by Christ? Then you know what? You can say, I am a child of God. And if you say that, then in obedience to God, live out what He's done in you. Live like you're a child of God. All right, let's go on now to number three. Be considerate of the source. I like this part. Work out what God works in you, number one. Be careful to obey. Number two, be consistent in practice. And number three, be considerate of the source. Be considerate of the source. Philippians 2, verse 13 here. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, Paul now caps this, uh, these two verses, uh, or at least as the way we're looking at it tonight. He caps what he's saying with these, this amazing thing to me. This is really like hitting my heart. He says, for it is God who works in you. Now, take this first part where it says, for it is God. You know what that says? That tells us that God is intimately involved in your life. Don't, isn't that a nice thought? He is intimately involved. He's right there with you. He's not this distant God, you know, 
But he's right there involved in your life. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is God. He's intimately involved in your life. And what is he doing? It is God who works. Now, the word works here in the Greek is energeo. It's where we get our English word energy. God basically energizes his child to obey him and live out their salvation. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Notice it says it is God who works through energo in you. God puts that power in us. God enables the believers to live out what he put in. Isn't that wonderful? He made us who we are. He wants us to obey and learn who we are and all that. But he puts in that ability, that energy, that nergel. He works in us, that power, ability for us to obey him, to live out, to work out our own salvation. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul's like, yeah, I did all this, I did, but you know what? It was God's grace. God's grace did it in my life. This energial is, is, is what God does in our life. And this energial, what he works in, it produces, and this is what the rest of this verse is, both to will, that is to desire to obey God, to will, and to work, to do the right thing and follow his will, all for his, what? his good pleasure. That is to bless the Lord God with how you live. So it's to bless him, right? To, to please him, to bless him in how you live. Put a smile on his face. Lord, I'm, I'm your child. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to give you glory here, right? But isn't this wonderful? God is the one who puts this desire in us to even obey him. It, it, it's not you. It's God working in you. Don't ignore that desire, you guys. That's the Lord now. That's God putting that desire inside you. Do not ignore that desire inside you. Do not ignore that, that, that choice, that, that wanting to obey. And do not ignore the opportunity and the strength that God gives you to do His will. That's the Lord working inside of you. I think this is amazing. I think this is wonderful. So be considerate of the source of this. That's our heading. we got to cons be concerned that this is God doing this. It's not you. It is God moving inside of you to live the right way. He's the one who's turning these gears. He's the one who's putting that in your heart. The note from the ESV study Bible said this, even the desire to will to do what is good comes from God, but he also works in the believer to generate actual choices of the good so that the desires result in actions. I, li I like that thought because what the ESV study Bible is saying that God puts a desire in, but also he puts in that, that, that choice for us to say, yeah, I want to do this. God's working that in us. And that results in our action in living out for living our life for him. So do you understand how huge this is? God is at work in us. He puts in us what should be coming out of us. I don't know about, I, I just love this. He gives us the ability to work out what God works in. He's the one doing that. So our last point tonight is this. 
God is working in you and for you, not against you, but to help you. God is working in you and for you, not against you, but to help you. Understand this today. Try and put this into your mind tonight, you guys. Because it will change how you live for God. It will change how you wake up in the morning. It will change when you're facing those challenges and temptations. You know, last time I, I went to Home Depot, they had a, I don't know if you know this lady, they revamped the whole registers and all that. And, and they always have it. It looked different to me. You know, they had that self-checkout registers, you know, where you go. And that's where you go up and you start scanning your own items, bag them, and you pay for them without, you know, one of the cashiers, one of the Home Depot cashiers, right? But I don't know if you notice, in this, in, there's like four machines, and right in the middle is a, a station. Someone is, there's an attendant there. There's still a Home Depot cashier employee there, and she's, she's there. If there's a problem, if something messes up, or maybe um, uh, I had multiple things, she would come with a little hand scan and go beep, 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 you know, and scan it really fast for me. If there's a problem, uh, like in your scanning or whatever that is, and you can't do it yourself, well, this special attendant comes and helps you finish the transaction. You guys know that, right? Target get them too, right? Target has them too and all that. Well, I say this because that's what some people think God is like. He's up there. He's watching you. He gives you this opportunity. He tells you what to do. He watches you. And when you get into trouble, then he comes over and he helps you. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, this is, this is not what God does. Paul is saying, this is, this, is, this is different. This is not what we find here. God is there from the start. God is there all the way to the finish, all the way. God is there. He's the one who's putting those desires in, the, in your heart. Think about this. He is the one who gives you the desire to want to live for Him. You feeling that, you feeling that right now through this message? That's the Lord. That's God putting that in you. He's the one who gives you that choice to, yeah, I'm going to do it. He's the one that gives you that insight of, yeah, I'm going to do it, that choice. He, he shows you how to live for Him. He's speaking to you right now. He's the one who gives you the ability and even the strength to step out and even do that and live for Him. Think about this. That's huge. Isn't that wonderful? It is God. How intimately invo involved He is in our life. Listen, God is not like the TV or shows or movies, you know, who, you know, those times where, you know, they say, well, you know, God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. There is not a verse like that. No, we got to change our thinking right now because I think we think that way still. Don't think this way anymore. God is not on the sidelines watching and waiting to see if, you know, you need help. He's not sitting there all waiting for you to fail and then he comes to pick you up and all that. No, he's giving you everything. He's moving in your heart and in your life so you won't fail. He's giving you everything you need to become all that he wants you to be. And that is to live out what he's worked in. God is working in you and for you, not against you, but to help you. Let me, let me ask you this tonight. Have you been fighting against God? You may say, what? No, not me. I, I, don't, I don't do that. But how about this? When you don't obey what God is wanting you to do, 
you know what's happening? You're fighting against God and what he's putting inside of you. You know what I'm saying? There's that sense like, I know I, gotta, I should do this. I, I, I know I, I should do it. There's that conviction by the Spirit, right? That feeling, you know, well, this is God speaking. Yet, what do we do? Sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we say, well, I'll push it aside. And I'll, I'll work on this later, right? Sometimes we even forget about it. Worst thing is we don't, when we don't do anything about it. Or even worse is when we deliberately sin against God and what he's telling us to do inside of us. That's called grieving the Holy Spirit, right? Is that you? Well, stop fighting against that desire inside to completely and fully obey God. Do you understand that now? Do you see that now? That's the Lord prompting you. It's his love. It's his grace. It's his, hey, I want to work in your life. Hey, I'm going to help you here. I'm going to give you the ability. Here's the desire. Here, make this choice right here. Yeah, do this thing. I'll be right there. And then think about, in context of this passage now, that means to put others first. That means to lay down your pride. That means to to not protect your own self-interest, but sacrifice them for the other person. That means to love. That means to forgive. That means to give grace. That means to, to do all you can. Let me say this. To not give in to the anger. Yeah? To not give in to, to, to feeling like you got to take revenge. To all those fleshly emotions. Remember, God is the source. It's not just some desire. It's not just, oh, you, 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 you're doing good right now. It's God who's willing in you. It's God who's willing and to do this, what he wants in your life. How do you fight against that? When you, you feel this, but you're fighting, what's the answer? Obedience. Obedience, right? I'll tell you, when you take that step, God is right there because he's the one who put the desire in it. God is right there giving you the ability to even take that step. We just got to make that choice. God gives us the power, the ability to become who we really are in Christ as we live this out. Not you, not your strength, not your, you know, some of us has, have a real good, I can do it attitude, right? I can, I can, you're, you're really good at that. But you know, usually what I found, because I have that, I find out I cannot do it. But when I have that can't, I can't do it attitude, you know what, you know where, you know what? That's where God is working. Because <laughs> He wants me to rely on Him. He wants me to go to Him. He wants me to just say, okay, Lord, I obey you. Help me now to do it. That's what He's talking about here. God gives you the power. God gives you that strength. That's what being in Jesus is all about. That is living out what God put in. That's what this is all about. I'll close with this. Ludwig Nomensen was a missionary to a remote village in Southeast Asia. The village chief allowed Ludwig uh, two years to stay with them. At the end of that time, the chief asked how Christianity was different from their religion. The chief said, we know what is right, for we too have laws that say we must not steal or take our neighbor's wives or tell lies. 
Well, the missionary responded and said, yes, that's true, but my master supplies the power needed to keep these laws. The chief was surprised. He says, can you really teach my people to live better in, in that way? And the missionary answered, no, I can't. But if they receive Jesus Christ, God will give them the strength to do what's right. So Ludwig was permitted to stay another six months there, and he shared Christ, taught them, taught the word and everything. And you know what? Many, many of the villagers came to the Lord. At the end of that time, the chief came up to him and said, you may stay longer. Your religion is better than ours, for your God walks with men and gives them strength to do the good things he requires. I like that. That's it, guys. That's how to live the victorious Christian life. That's how to love those who are unlovable. That's how to stay united as a body of Christ as a church. That's how to save your marriage, save your family. That's how to shine a light with the love of Jesus. That's how we do it. This is Paul's call to us. That is to work out what God works in. Let's pray. Lord, gosh, Lord, there's just so much in here, Lord, that is just stirring our hearts. But what we understand is that you are here. You love us. You are working in us. You're the one who put the desire in us. It's you who are with us. God, help us to recognize that and understand that. Help us to surrender to you in obedience. And, and, and that, that's what a child of God does. That's who a child of God is, to, to have God empowering them. Help us to understand what that means, Lord, tonight. I pray for each one of us right now that as we ponder these things and as we meditate on just these two verses and how huge of truth this is of how you are involved in our lives and how you interact with us and how what obedience really means and how it comes out of what you put in us and all of that, God. May that impact us tonight and right now in such a way that it will change us, Lord, forever, forever. So, Lord, help us, God, to receive these things. Help us in, in the hard places where we, we, we do struggle with our flesh, Lord. We, we, we do give in to our flesh so many times. Our emotions get the better of us. God, give us the strength to be able to say no, to take those things out of our heart and not allow them there anymore, to grow in godliness, to pull out those weeds of bitterness and hate, anger, to pull out those fleshly things that keep us from really being everything you want us to be. So I pray for each person here tonight. You're especially speaking to us, Lord, your church. And you want us to grow. You want us to go deeper into our souls and in our hearts and to, to, to no longer allow these things, but to listen for your voice, Lord, to see that those desires of wanting to read our Bibles or to pray more or to come to church or to seek you or worship you or to live rightly, that's you, God. That is you. Thank you for being here. And as Paul was saying, thank you that not only do you give us the desire, but you work in us. You energize in us. So, God, I cannot do it on my own. We cannot 
Lord, we need your strength. So empower us now by your Holy Spirit. Fill us now. Thank you. In your name, Jesus.